0: Some end-of-season awards. As the Milwaukee chapter of the BBWAA announced its Brewers Awards, the, let's see, we'll go with the unsung hero, went to Eric Yardley. What, what were some heroics that were unsung of Eric Yardley? Oh, I mean, I guess he if you look at on the mound, what wasn't
1: Eric Yardley did this year, I mean, he did a pretty solid job at the uh, bullpen. I mean, he, pretty he, solid. he wasn't Devin Williams, he wasn't Josh Hader, and he wasn't Corey Knebel, the guy that you were hoping to get back. Because mm-hmm. I would say out of the back end of the bullpen, those were probably the three guys that were talked about the most. Obviously, because Devin Williams had a magical 60-game season. Yeah, that guy's a beast. Josh Hader was still dominant in Josh Hader. And then you were wondering about a former all-star, former closer, Corey Knebel, whether he was going to come back healthy or not, if he could get himself right for a... Uh, you know, it, as a season run. Yep. Because we kept waiting for the Brewers to get hot, waiting for the Brewers to get hot, but it just never seemed to happen. I mean, we're still waiting. I mean, Yardley was
0: pretty solid. Would you say he was an unsung hero?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you were expecting him to sub, give you yeah. twenty four appearances, have an ERA sub two. I mean, he 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 was good. He was, and you didn't hear much about him, hence him being unsung. He was kind of like that backup guy where if Hader wasn't available, if Devin Williams wasn't available, he was the guy that was going to come in and give you those late innings.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on. How about the good guy award? Now, I don't know what this all entails when you get this award. Like When I say good guy, I don't think they mean on the field playing because the good guy award goes to Josh Lindblom. I don't, I remember maybe one start from Josh Lindblom that was decent. Other than that, I don't think this yeah. award is going for on the field performance. This
1: is one award where do you really want to win? Like, you want to win it, but do you really want to win it? Like, you want to be known as a good guy, but you know, if you're winning the quote unquote good, good guy, guy award, award, you probably didn't have much else to talk about during your season.
0: I would rather be winning, like Eric Yardley did, the unsung hero award or like a, a like, I think like it was MVP. I think
1: it was Lindblom that early in the uh the COVID shutdown was a guy that was new to Milwaukee obviously with his family coming over from Korea playing in the Korean League. Yeah. I think they donated like a lot of food and meals to like the yep. Milwaukee area they so that was a, lot a of good that. thing and I think they donated some money to other causes. So he did a lot of off the field stuff. So that's probably the good guy award, but yeah, definitely not for his play.
0: Yeah. Um He is a good guy in the sense of what he does for charity and donations and, you know, helping out his community. So that, I guess, would be the reason why he gets the good guy award. Uh, I'll save MVP and most valuable pitcher coming up here. But first, uh, before we get to that, another award handed out. (laughs) Top newcomer to Jed Jerko. Now, let me ask you, Rowdy. So Jed Jed Jerko wins the top newcomer award. All of the other newcomers of all the newcomers how many are even left on the team and and the uh, the ones that are still remaining how even good were they that's the thing
1: they didn't miss on this award jed Jerko <laughs> was the best newcomer <laughs> because everyone else was so god awful he was like the only guy you could look at You're like oh yeah he had a he had an all right season uh-huh. might as well give it to him everyone else stunk um <laughs> The top newcomer. Justin Smoke, he was a newcomer. He ended the season on another team. See ya. Brock Holt, he was the first DFA victim. See ya. Omar Nervias didn't hit above two hundred. That was oof. I mean who else were uh, you going to do? Garcia. What did he even do? And and for Avisel Garcia, he had a down year. Yeah. Jed Jerko was the only one for the player that he is that had. In all right year. Um, he was the only one that was in consideration for that award. I don't even know if they even looked at anyone else. The barrel man at the end of the year. Vogelbach. I just don't think you could give him the award because he for, was there for like two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> uh, the, the, like Jed Jerko was the only, he should have been the only candidate running for it.
0: I, I want to go back and look at all, all the newcomers we had this year and see where they ended up and how they did. Oh, you don't want to. Um, I do, I do, I do, because we got time to do it's that. It's another pain. I just want to check it out, because <laughs> Jed Jerko gets the top newcomer award. Of all the newcomers, how many are left? There's Of all the guys they got, there can't be too many left that even could be in contention for winning an award. Looking at the, the Brewers season that was. We say good morning to RJ as well. Good morning, RJ. How was your breakfast? Oh, sorry. Let me try that again. How was your breakfast? It was delicious. What'd you
2: have? Uh, sausage, egg and cheese, Jimmy, English
0: muffin. Jimmy Dean's or a quick trip? Uh, I actually went to Dunkin' today. Oh, whoa. Okay, RJ going high class on us. Yeah. My man. RJ, I asked Nelson, what would you describe? One word to, to the brewer's season. He said disappointing. I said bad. You would say what? Pathetic. Another really good one. <laughs> it was one of the worst seasons ever, and it was, uh, thankfully, only 60 games. I don't know if I'd be able to make it 162 games. Uh, it was Adam McKelvey, I think it was on the Bill Michaels show yesterday that I heard McKelvey say that uh, so t- it was the worst season ever offensively for the Milwaukee Brewers. Do you think, Nelly and RJ, both of you guys, do you think that if they were to play 162 games? I know I posed this question to uh, Nelly earlier in the week. That they would have been able to even get to their Vegas over under wind total what was it, 82, 83 and a half?
1: Yeah, it was 82 to 83 and a half.
0: Do you think they'd even be able to get to it? I don't. Easy answer? No. I think they'd they'd think they'd shoot. Would they be, what, high 70s? I think
1: they would have had a good season to get to 80 wins. Ugh. I think they might have been an upper 70 win team.
0: Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Yeah, and Andy, like a seventy eight. Andy, Andy, Andy Haynes would have been fired. What would the Pirates have been in, like, the 60s?
1: they're they're outside of playing the brewers
2: they were really bad bad. they had they had a chance to push some record losses
1: (laughs) like they they went five and five against the brewers in their 10 game series obviously you play more interdivision games Mm -hmm. but if you're five and five against the brewers they were 14 and 36 against the rest of baseball yikes Mm -hmm. and we already know that the nl central had an early exit all by every single team, and the AL Central had early exits, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, and do not forget that the Brewers scored double the amount of runs in the Chicago Cubs in the playoffs. I know they all exited early out of the NL Central. One didn't make it in the Pirates, but the Brewers scored double the amount of runs in the Cubs. Never forget it. And the Reds. And yeah, Good point, point. and the Reds. All right, so I gave you the good guy I mean, award.
2: Technically, you can't double up
0: zero. That's true. But in this sense...
1: Infinite infinite amount of runs.
2: Infinite amount that. of runs.
0: Yeah, well done. So the Brewers are in, in, an infinite amount times better than the Chicago That's Cubs. That's the math
1: we'll be doing today.
0: That's it. Math on the fly. Well done, RJ. So the Good Guy Award went to Josh Lindblom. Charitable man. The Unsung Hero Award went to Eric Yardley. The top newcomer went to Jed Jerko. And I think it had... There's, there's only one player it would have they went told to. Sia is it all the other new everyone, newcomers? Everyone else got the boot, well, or or just the, couldn't do anything. And yeah. they're like, well, if we kick these guys off our team, we won't be able to field the team. So I guess Avistel Garcia and um, Omar Narvaez, you have to stay. And, and you so, could also,
1: you could also say, well, we already gave Eric Yardley one yeah. award. Yeah, Eric yeah.
0: Yardley got one award. We can't give him another one. <laughs> all right, here you go. The most. Valuable pitcher, I'll save MVP, player, right after most valuable pitcher. It went to Devin Williams. Obviously. Devin Williams, the most valuable pitcher ahead of Brandon Woodruff, Josh Hader, I guess it kind of stops there, Corbin Corbin Burns. Burns. But he's got the most valuable pitcher for Devin Williams.
1: I mean, he had the most dominant season pretty much of Mm -hmm. any relief pitcher in the game.
0: He had the most rocket sauce, right?
1: His changeup was or that
0: stinky cheese.
1: His changeup was absolutely gross, filthy in man. a good way, dirty. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else you would have given it to for most valuable pitcher. Every time they went to him, he got out of the inning. Yeah, yeah. You you hardly ever remember the guy giving up any runs because he didn't give up any runs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he really. What was his ERA like? Point six three or something like that. It was. It was yeah. I think like that below one. I think that's high. I think it is high. It, it was
1: .33. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that only was his ERA .33. I,
0: I apologize for putting yeah. those extra. Yeah,
1: yeah you almost doubled his ERA. I apologize yeah. for doubling Not that cool. Up. You were close, though, because his whip was .63, okay, maybe which that's is what the, insane as well.
0: Maybe that's what was sticking out in my mind. <laughs> All right, so how about this? So Devin Williams an absolute beast. Devin Williams does get the most valuable pitcher, but then the MVP... Goes to Corbin Burns, another pitcher. I mean,
2: he was an inning away from qualifying for. Was it uh, less than an inning?
0: Was it like a oh third yeah, of a th-
2: third of an inning away from qualifying for the uh, Cy, Cy young, young award?
1: And he probably would have been a top five Cy Young candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could you could say he was the most valuable player player because he started in the bullpen. He did. He he had some outings out of the bullpen because that's what they asked him to do. He also became a starter and was starting multiple times. His role was ever changing until obviously the the last half of the season when they said, "Okay, you're throwing the ball extremely well. We're going to make you full time starter." And he was good. He was statistically their best starter. He was better than their ace. And and in all how, in all how, honesty, who else are you really going to give MVP? <laughs> Who you what our best? Our best hitter? Orlando it to? Arcia? No.
0: He was the best hitter. Yeah, and that's
1: a no. You're not going to give it
0: to him. How <laughs> uh, how can Corbin Burns be the MVP and then Devin Williams be the most valuable pitcher? Corbin Burns, all he did was pitch. Good for Devin Williams to be the most valuable pitcher. Wouldn't you say that Corbin Burns should be the MVP and the most valuable pitcher? Because Corbin Burns pitched more than did he pitch more than Devin Williams? I
1: think Williams? it's kind of the, you only get one award here. Once you get
0: one, you're done. I, I guess. They have the same record. Did they? Four and one. <laughs> <laughs> and So Corbin Burns, uh, yeah, was a third of an inning away from qualifying for Cy Young candidacy. Didn't get it, obviously, whatever. He did get MVP for the Brewers, but then Devin Williams is the most valuable pitcher. 2020 is makes me scratch my head. Devin Williams, Corbin Burns... Where would you put Orlando Arcia in all this? I mean, who was the most valuable hitter then? Who would be the MVH? Nobody. Arcia?
1: <laughs> I feel like you, you
2: have to Give it to somebody. I'll give
0: it to Lorenzo Cain. He hit
2: 333 before <laughs> he decided to leave. And then he hit the doors. Or let's give it to Vogelbach. He hit
0: 315 with the hey, Brewers. I'm fine for Vogelbach getting that. Most thick- Vogelbach. Sorry. Thickest player award, Vogelbach back. Jer- Vogelbach. I back. don't think
1: anyone I don't think anyone deserved an MVH, most valuable no. hitter.
0: Uh, we I were mean, talking RJ does make a good point. Lorenzo Cain, has hitting, what was it, 3 3 Then he, then, before he, he then he hit the showers and he hit the door yeah, and he he said, I'm des- If he
1: deserves any award, it's quitter of the year.
0: <laughs> hey, he just protected himself from the Rona.
1: Sure. What were you going to say, though, on the hitting? No, I d- does anyone deserve hitter of the year? No. I mean, you even said Adam McKelvey came on the Bill Michaels show and said they were statistically the worst Brewers offense in a season.
2: Ugh. Ever, and that's when that's back when the Brewers for multiple seasons in a row were leading the league in strikeouts.
1: So the Brewers,
0: okay, the Brewers don't, coming
2: don't,
1: into the season. You're talking about the Brewers of the '90s and early 2000s ah. that people try to
0: forget. Are yeah. right, the Brewers of the '90s you were, were worse? Worse, <laughs> They're not good. Uh, 1990, the Brewers start out the decade uh, going 74 and 88. The high. Oof. In '93, they went 69 and 93. Like '92
2: was their last winning season, or something like that.
0: '95, they were 65 and 79. Yeah, their their only winning season in the '90s was was '92, right? '91, they were 83 and 79. '92, they were 92 and 70. There you go.
2: That was their last winning season before they went 500 in like the early 2000s at some point.
0: Yeah, and then they then oof 2002, they're 56 and 106. Oh my god. They don't get back into the uh, f- above 500 until 2007.
2: Like, growing up a Brewers fan. Tough. It, it was because, like, you only had to go with, well, we have the best logo in baseball.
0: RJ, we had the 90s and then Brewers. And the Brewers said, no, you don't. Nope. <laughs> nope. Here's some grains of wheat. Uh, no, what, it was or, it was what just a, that
2: MB, the well, interlocking MB. Yeah,
1: that was, that bat, that was like almost like a knockoff of the it? Yankees. Yeah.
0: Didn't they have the wheat behind it? Or is that, I'm confusing my logos. You, you are missing the middle one. You're yeah, missing the one we we're talking about. Oh. The,
1: like,
2: the block MB. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I have the Zuba's pants with that on yeah, it. Yeah,
2: that looks like it should be where they
1: introduced green. Dark.
2: Blue I have those. Gold.
0: I have those Zuba pants. I should wear those tomorrow. It was
1: like the attempt to be the Yankees, where you had yeah, the, the interlocked M and B with the
0: weird blue and
2: green. Yeah, it looked more like a law firm logo <laughs> than it did like a sports logo. And then they got rid of the B. And I'm gonna bring had those, the M. I'm going to bring those Zubas tomorrow. And then they switched to the grain and yeah, the Miller-style M. Yep.
1: It was by far the worst logo the Brewers have ever had. Yes.
2: I will bring those Zubas pants in tomorrow. And that includes when they first got here and went just to the block M that was yellow.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't mind that one. No, I didn't either. I'm like, just saying. I mean,
2: looking back on it. It's plain, but it's a lot better than the...
0: Interlocking MB. So I've worn those Zuba's pants around the house, and my uh, wife looks at me, Jen. She's like, "If you wear those again, be some divorce papers waiting for you when you come home the next day if you don't take do you them tempt off." To her, then and just put them on. Well, she says, "Take them off." so I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> so we
2: <just laughs> take them. What's up, baby? What's Are you on? allowed to wear them for like yard work and stuff?
0: Well, it's, it's, not not that I'm al- in-
2: it's not that I'm not allowed. Is she more embarrassed of you being out in public in them?
0: I think she's just. I think she's upset that I'm too comfortable in them that I could w- possibly embarrass her and wear them out in public Now, if it would have been the ball-and-glove logo,
2: would she have a problem
0: with it? Like, if you were to look at them, you'd think they're, like, 90 Seattle Mariners. Yeah, because they're just blue and green. Yeah, blue-green Zubas with the white back, yeah. like, the white underlay, and with that M&B interlocking logo yeah. on the front left. Yeah. That doesn't even look like Brewers. No, it really I kinda doesn't. I kind of like it, though. Like a little bit, but I I don't want to go. I don't want to go back and think of the the Brewers of the nineties. Like that's what Art Art Nelson. You had more of the two thousands. We had the nineties when we were growing up, and my God, it
2: stunk. I missed knowing what the playoffs were like up until
0: two thousand and eight. Yeah, we never got we never got a sniff of (laughs) the playoffs, Robbie. You at least got the playoffs when you were the first year
1: I started really following Brewers baseball was the first year they moved into Miller Park.
0: Yeah. You got at least got a little taste of the playoffs. We got just owned for a whole decade. Yeah. And Plus. Like,
1: I mean, those early 2000s, they were still pretty bad.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stinky. They were horrible. Stinky, stinky.
2: Up until, like, you brought in fielder, heart, Party, I'll say weeks. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, just because he,
0: he was there. Just because he was there. When it comes to the MVP, the most valuable pitcher was Devin Williams. The most valuable player was Corbin Burns. Mm-hmm. Could you make the case that we need I they haven't did, done it, but I need to hand out an offensive award. Who gets the offensive award? Who's got the most who is truly the most valuable hitter? Vogelback. I know Nelly said no one deserves it, but someone needs to get it. I wanna I wanna dish out this award. It's Vogelback. Nelson, would it be Daniel Vogel? Is it Bach, or Bach?
2: I think it's interchangeable.
0: All right, I'm going to just Depends go. on the day. The fact that you can't say it, I don't think he's deserving. But he wow. looks like the Brewer's barrel man. He's
2: he's the softball
0: guy. He looks like the barrel man. Would you give it to Orlando Arcia?
1: I mean, he's got to be one up there, right? <laughs> he, he has to be he, one he of he the guys the up there. You have to give it away. That qualified for awards. <laughs> yeah. Like
0: <sighs> 260 led the team this year. Someone's got to get it. I have to give something else. It can't be Christian Yelich. Give it to Arcea. It can't be Keston Hira. It can't be Ryan Braun. If you go by highest war,
1: wins above replacement, it's Jed Jerko.
2: There you go.
0: Boom. Got well, Jer- Jerko got an award already. Oh, well. Well, we already said he, it can't be two awards. Jerko got the top newcomer award. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can also be the MVP for hitting. Well, then how can Corbin Burns be the MVP, but Devin Williams the most valuable pitcher? How oh, does that make sense? They
2: used it as a reliever kind of award to give the rookie something. Because what do you, how many rookies did they have this year on the team? Does it matter? I mean, if it's one, what are you going to do? All right. You don't have a
0: competition. Our guy Becker says it's got to be for the whole season Keston Hero. Keston Hero also led the way in strikeouts. Mm-mm. What do you even do I, I, this I season? don't
1: think there's really an MVP. No one was that you, valuable. You get a new hitting
2: coach. You don't blame that futility on, on COVID-19 and no spring training and all that. That's literally whatever your approach at the plate is, is screwing up your
1: hitters. And you need to go. I don't think you can give a most valuable player. Take away Christian Yelich from this roster. Did you miss him? No, take away Orlando Arcia. Would you have missed him? Yes. I I, I still don't really think you would have. You would have lost
2: a oh, few if you more games
0: if Orlando Arcia is not there. I, the Brewers. It's funny that I'm gonna say this. Don't even make the playoffs.
1: No. <laughs> take away <laughs>
2: Keston
0: Hira.
1: Did you miss him? No. What about, I think you could go right down the roster and name every single hitter, and you would have said the same answer. Could no, you? Could didn't you? Didn't miss him. Could you make the case Once that missed him.
0: Lorenzo Cain was the best hitter? Yeah four of 18 before he left we have on Twitch the King saying it's Lorenzo Kane dude had a lot of production for two games was it he two played or... in five games five yeah. games and then he his biggest hit of the season was hitting the showers there you go I don't know dude what a what a team! All right, so I'm looking at some stats here, and we'll talk about it coming up here. Uh, Adam McKelvey on the Bill Michael Show talking about how was the worst offensive output for the Brewers of all time. Well, I'm looking at it right here: the team's offensive output decreased significantly. Obviously, they averaged just four point two runs, four point zero two runs a game. This was the lowest average since 2014, when the team averaged four point zero one runs a game. And in twenty fourteen, the Brewers went eighty two and eighty. But then in Man, t- that twenty fourteen, that was the Wei Chong
1: Wednesdays that Wei Chong Wang, baby. Ryan Braun was super Becker knows hot. about Wei
0: Chong Wang Wednesdays.
1: Mm-hmm. That was the reason why they didn't make it into the postseason. But then you okay, so in twenty fourteen <laughs> they had to keep him on
2: there.
0: In twenty fourteen went eighty two and eighty. But in twenty fifteen they went sixty eight and ninety four. Could you imagine basically <clears throat> hampering your pitching staff for a
1: whole season? To keep Wei Chong Wang on your roster, Not a good can look. anyone name where Wei Chong Wang is right now, currently? Currently,
2: no, but I do believe he went to
1: Tampa. I think at he some was. B- I think he was with the Athletics last I heard. But
0: I ke- Wei- again, Wei-Chung we're gonna have Wei-Chung to use the machine called Google. Up. We used to do a thing called Wei Chong Wang Wednesdays. It's Wei-Chung where Wednesdays. It was for some reason we, and this was because Wei Chong Wang was with the Brewers twice, correct? Yes. Wei Chong Wang.
1: Ooh, he was with Oakland and Pittsburgh as of 2019, not seeing any stats from 2020. I don't know why oh. we're
0: talking about Wei-Chung Wang, but on Wednesdays... Because he's the reason why that team fell apart in 2014.
1: You did this. I don't
0: know what it was, but you every, t- every time I'd watch the Brewers on a Wednesday, Wei-Chung Wang would for some reason get called into the game and just blow it for the Brewers. Because that was the Brewers' day off. <laughs> <laughs> he had an ERA of 2014 of 10.9 for the Brewers. <laughs>
1: there was no business that guy being on any major league roster. He was probably due to be in like a ball. Yet they yeah. thought this guy was really something. And he, he was, was gone, nothing.
2: Gone for two seasons, brought back in 2017. Gone for another season. and then That yeah, single-handedly for two teams in killed the
1: Brewers pitching staff that year. Now, would they have won the World Series? No, probably not. But that team was one of the best teams in baseball the first half of the season. And then the pitching staff just. Which makes sense. I mean, if you're playing a man down every single game. <laughs> you basically got a uh, pitching machine up there on the mound? Monday, Not even. Pitching machines you can turn up to 100.
2: <laughs> what way Wei Chung Wang peak at? 90? I don't know. But he played in the 2004 Little League
0: World Series. Just found out. Because he's a beast. I remember a picture from 2014 when he was coming in for spring training. He had a bright pink uh, suitcase. It was beautiful. Way chung wang Wednesdays, baby. Owen Reese, Bucky's fifth quarter, Packers 24-7 Network, offensive line, graduate assistant coach at UW-Whitewater. What's up, Owen? How we living?
3: What's up, you bro? How's it going, man?
0: Uh, I'm doing well. Wanted to get you on yesterday, but uh, schedule didn't match up, so it's nice to have you on today, Owen. Before we dive into some Packers... How have you been living, man? How What's going on with UW-Whitewater Warhawks?
3: We're making it, man. Uh, yesterday, we had our second day of padded practices, so we have split practices uh, to keep under 75 guys on the field at a time, uh, so we've got concurrent uh, hour and 15-minute practices, so it's been good to just be out on the field and see the guys and hear some pads popping and um, pounding the rock, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I love it, man, and you're a big fan of pounding the rock, man. Owen, so you abiding by all the COVID-19 protocols, how tough is that as a coach?
3: Um, it's. I mean, it's not so bad as a coach. I mean, obviously, it's just constant reminders to the kids to to keep their masks up and <laughs> spread apart. But that would be the thing. I, I think. I mean, as as annoying as it is for a coach as a player, right? Like, you probably didn't really do anything for six months, or, or at least not nearly what you normally would have been able to do with regular gym access. And we've done some stuff uh, a few times a week. They're lifting a couple times a week, as well as some like circuit training and stuff. But that, that's not going to help get you into true. Um, Football yeah. shape or game shape. Uh so I know that's been tough for some of our guys, especially the big fellas like I'm around um to try and play with a mask on. Uh has, has been has The big been fellas.
0: Down. The big fellas I'm around with a mask on. That's gotta be tough, man. That's just <laughs> All right, Owen, speaking of big fellas, let's look at the Green Bay Packers. They are 4-0 and coming off that Monday Night Football win over the Atlanta Falcons. And we had a debate, you know, what, what has made the Packers so marketably better from last year? Is it scheme slash play calling? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it that offensive line that you're so familiar with? Or is it utilizing the running backs? What would Owen Reese say that making the Packers so much better this year than compared to last year? For the, um, for the eye test.
3: To to avoid the, the easy answer to, of the cop-out of, well, I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, thank you. I do think uh, a lot of it has to start with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and it's not like he was playing poorly last year. Uh, but I think just the added familiarity, I know he talked about during the offseason, I talked about it the first few weeks, about how he was working on his mechanics and tried to go back to uh, some stuff he had worked on seven or eight years ago, truthfully, about being more on balance when he threw. Um, I kind of talked about that, how with older quarterbacks, they usually People usually say, like, well, his arm is starting to go. And uh, I think it was Brock Huard who did the game the first week, and he's like, well, that's not really true. He's like, it's not the arm talent that goes away. It's the mechanics in the lower body uh, that that kind of go away, and they, they stop helping generating that torque uh, to throw the ball harder. So I think that's been a big part of it. I think he's just uh, a little more familiar with his receivers, right? Second year with Alan Lazard second full year, kind of getting more used to Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Robert Tonian has another year in the system. Uh, so, I mean, just a lot more familiarity uh, with some of the guys, and I think that helps a ton just as far as trust stuff with him. But then also, as timing, there's new, a lot of new concepts. Uh, well, no, I guess not less. Concepts that were run a lot less with Mike McCarthy are run much more with Matt LaFleur. Uh, and I think, too, that once Rodgers has kind of seen a year, to see this offense and what his role can be in it, I think he's kind of like learning to pick his spots a little more and being able to to maximize stuff rather than just trying to uh, be a part of it.
0: Yeah, uh, Owen Reese joining us right now. Owen, as a coach, when can you see guys finally buying into the scheme, buying into the system? Can you see a moment when all of a sudden they get it and all they're clicking on all cylinders?
3: Yeah, like I, said, I don't know how much of it would be like a buy-in thing, but absolutely, I think the continuity you're seeing. Especially up front, right, with with Elton Jenkins, a full season as a starter at left guard. Um, You know, Corey Lindsley's been there. The right side has been a bit of a turnstile, but they've seemed to have made it work. Also, all of those guys, other than Ricky Wagner, who hasn't played a ton, um, you know, are are all there for a second year as well. So they're more familiar with each other. Uh, Offensive line play and defensive line play, to me, were going to be, or offensive line play and tackling, rather, were going to be the two things, to me, that were hurt the most, excuse me, from this abbreviated offseason because those are the two things that are the most uh dependent on repetition yeah. right like the two fundamentals of the game are blocking and tackling uh and that's why i think you're seeing a lot of high high point totals is is kind of just poor tackling on defense and um you know up front the like the last time practicing is harder on those old linemen. um not as able as quickly to develop chemistry and um kind of that that ability to work together yeah. uh, seamlessly. So I think that's something that's, that's coming together as well The second year, uh, kind of getting those guys going. And obviously I think there is too, um, I just not to uh, get too corny, but like I think the – Get Packers corny, get corny,
0: and get corny.
3: I think they have a bit of momentum. I, and I think there's something true to that and real to that. There's, they've been hot, they're playing hot. Um, everything they're doing seems to be working, right? Like they've got Alan Lazard who runs like a 4-5-5 going deep and beating NFL guys you know just stuff like things that theoretically right like you can't necessarily depend on the Packers've kind of been able to depend on so far this year so um, you know obviously hopefully they can keep that going the whole year but I think they they are kind of riding the wave here a little bit uh, which is good which is fine yeah you um, got to
0: ride the wave bro so
3: hot hot start to start the year uh, can do a lot even if you you even out through the middle of the year um, you hope to pick back up at the end but this hot start can get you into the playoffs even if You know, even if you don't remain this white hot the entire year.
0: Do you think that the Packers are the best team in the NFC? I know the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson have something to say about that, but do you think the Packers are the best team in the NFC?
3: Um, I think right now they're playing the best overall game uh, just because Seattle's defense has been as bad, but that that seems to be a common thing as well. Um, You know, I I would say Dallas, talent wise um, and and offensively, have played as well. as Green Bay and Seattle, obviously you've got some mistakes with, with Zeke Elliott putting the ball on the ground. and some, some, But, I mean, like, Dak Prescott through for 500 yards last week, and they, threw, or they scored almost 40 points. So, I mean, it's not a I, – I think the Packers and the Seahawks are right now are the top two. Um, honestly, I would probably – as of right now, I would probably give the Seahawks Um, If you had a gun to my head, I might say the Seahawks are the best team, but I think the Packers are definitely playing the best right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, Owen, uh, running up against the break here before I let you go, man. Mm -hmm. Thanks for jumping in, you know, (laughs) on last-minute notice here. I totally spaced it, so thanks for jumping in, man. I'm looking at your Twitter account, at Owen Reese, and I see uh, you also write for Bucky's Fifth Quarter as well as Packers 24-7 Network. Uh, Get to know your blogger, Owen Reese. Next up is our X's and O's and draft guru. As you are waiting for the draft to come back around, and there's, you know, college football is just coming back around. How much how much tape does my man Owen grind, and does the grind ever stop in preparation for the next draft?
3: Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, so concurrent with my, um, with my current gig here at Whitewater, which obviously we're grinding a lot of tape here the last few days, um, I also work as an intern uh, for a college all-star game um, down in Texas. So we're grinding tape constantly on guys trying to, Uh, find the best guys down for that game. And you're right, the the draft process never stops. Um, You know, the the second the draft is over, one year, you're kind of, obviously you take a week or so uh, to kind of finalize that stuff, but then you're really on to looking for new names or starting to to watch the tape of the guys that you've seen the names of throughout the previous process. So uh, the grind never stops, but that's that's how we like it. Um, And like I said, especially with Whitewater stuff right now, a little less other stuff uh, just due to, much more uh, white water tape, but we're yeah. always grinding.
0: Yeah, uh, Owen, before I let you go, I am I am looking over these hypotheticals yeah. on this get-to-know-you on buckys Fifth Quarter dot com, and this question is near and dear to my heart because I do love aliens. If aliens took over humans and humans were put into zoos, what would you want in your zoo enclosure? And you said, give me a PS4, a gaming chair, and we'll be cool. What game
3: would it be that you would play? Probably right now it would probably be Warzone. Um, I think, like, over a long period of time, I would say Madden, but Madden's been so bad the last few years, I think mm, it's going to stick with Warzone. Um, and then that way, the people in the zoo can hear me screaming obscenities. Doing <laughs> my favorite thing, getting mad online with my friends. So, well, oh,
0: being mad online is what it's all about, you know?
3: Absolutely. Uh, if, Owen, if, as, as a man, if you're not doing something that makes you mad, you're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Owen,
0: oh, a pleasure, man. Thanks for jumping in last minute. If everyone wants to follow along, check out all your work. How can they do so?
3: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reese Draft, R I E S E Draft, as well as, uh, as we've mentioned, on Bucky Smith Quarter, uh, the SB Nation family, uh, the Packer Report for the 24 7 Sports Network. Um, yeah, just on Twitter. Follow the hijink.
0: Love it, man. Love it, man. Owen, appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Deep. See you there. There he is. Owen Reese, Bucky Smith Quarter, Packs 24 7 Network, UW Lightweather assistant coach as well. We welcome in Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, our Packer insider. Robbie, what's up, dude? Hey, if there's ever a week though for you to play some Van Halen, this is it, my man. Oh, it was uh, every song yesterday, Robbie.
4: Yep, it, it, it could be every song this week. Got you know, R.I.P. Eddie. What a what a tragic loss and a and a god awful year that only that was just the latest blow, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean the hits keep on coming, Rob, Robbie. But here's yeah. the thing: when we, we pass to the pearly gates, we can go rock out Van Halen front state or front row, Robbie.
4: Yeah, I know we can, but boy, what a yeah, what, what a horrific boss, yeah, just just sad. Did yeah, you ever have the big
0: hair, Rob? Did you ever have the big hair of the hairspray in the late 80s? No,
4: no, you know, I, I, I wore the tight pants and all that kind of crap, <laughs> but um, I never let the hair get too long. I, Bobby Knight would have liked me, Evo. You know, I, I had the tight, tight crew cut, you know, short cuts and stuff like that. No, I, no I, chairs would have been, been thrown at you? If I had any ability, well, I, I, I would have fit right in with Knight.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> well, Rob, you got a lot of ability when it comes covering the Green Bay Packers. You are a, you are a Hall of Famer right there. So, Rob, speaking of Hall of Famers, we had a, a, talking about a comment yesterday from the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I want to dive into the Falcons' win, but first, Aaron Rodgers says on the Pat McAfee show that his down years, essentially, any other quarterback would kill to have those uh, stats in his down years. What was your take on the Aaron Rodgers comments?
4: Well, it's it's kind of twofold, honestly, Evo. You know, number one, he's right. I mean, um, although I will say this: since since twenty fourteen, you know, from twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen, Evo, he has not been close to the same quarterback that he was between twenty ten and twenty fourteen. The numbers back that up. Um, Anybody with the naked eye could see that his mechanics were screwy. He held onto the ball too long. He didn't trust his line. Uh, he wasn't a great teammate. Just, just a lot of things. Um, but you know, a, a year where he has twenty-five touchdowns and two picks, or twenty-six touchdowns and, and a handful of picks, like he's had the last couple of years. Evo, I think the last two years combined, he's fifty-one and eight touchdowns to uh, interceptions. A lot of guys would take that absolutely. Um, but, but number two, comparatively speaking, in in this in this era of offense that we're in. Those numbers are pretty pedestrian. They, they, they didn't set the league on fire. Now, he's setting the league on fire this year. He's on pace for 52 touchdowns and no picks. Um, the thing is, Rodgers kind of shows you in a show like that who he is, right? Um, he, he's relaxed. He's with his buddies. He's with Hawk and McAfee. Um, and, and he's going to go off the cuff a little bit more, and he's going to make you know, a comment like that where, it, let's be honest, it's extremely cocky. And, Evo, that, that's always been the knock on him. You, you take it back to the 2005 draft, and I've talked to a lot of scouts and a lot of GMs through the years. The number one reason he fell the 24 that year was just that cockiness. There were a lot of people who felt he was a far better talent than Alex Smith, but they all said, Smith's going to be far easier to coach. He's a better guy. He's going to be a better locker room guy. He's going to be a better teammate than Rodgers. Now, I, I think we can all agree everybody that passed on Rogers made a mistake. Right. <laughs> but I, but, but, just to your question on, um, on him being that, you know, that outspoken, that cocky, uh, at the end of the day has hurt him at times in his career. It hurt him back in five, when he fell from number one in the draft to number 24. Um, it is still who he is today. Um, let, let, I mean, let, let's be honest about it. That that's the real Aaron Rodgers you see when when he's on a on a couch or hanging out with his buddies like that in a Zoom call or whatever it, it is on the McAfee show. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I I don't know that that's a particularly great look. Um, again, is it is it a good year for somebody? You know, like Blake Bortles? Yeah, absolutely, it is right. But but the Packers are paying him thirty thirty five million dollars a year. To be Patrick Mahomes, right? To be (laughs) Russell Wilson. And he's being those guys this year, Evo. But the last few years, he was not that player.
0: Rob Reichel joining us right now at Forbes.com. You brought up the name Russell Wilson as well, Rob. And I saw yesterday at Forbes.com where your uh, phenomenal work is at. Uh, Your tweet, the NFL season is 25% of the way done, and Rodgers is perfectly positioned to win his third MVP, something only five others have done. Break it down for us, Rob. Could Rodgers be winning that MVP, even with that little bit of cockiness?
4: Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's certainly not going to hurt him in an MVP
0: vote. <laughs> I mean, at the end at the end of the day,
4: the numbers are. It, it's going to come down to this, Evo. It, number one, individual success, and number two, team success. And, and right now, he and Russell are pretty close on most of the numbers. Uh, although Russell's completing, I mean, it's it's an ungodly number, Evo. He's like seventy-five and a half percent
0: completion rate. He's balling. I mean, he's
4: he, he's just been unbelievable. I think he's sixteen touchdowns and two picks. Rodgers is thirteen and 0 on a touchdown at all touchdowns to interceptions. Um, and, and, you know, so that's on pace for 52-0. and zero. Uh, no, Nobody's ever had fewer than two interceptions in a season, Evo, with over 500 passing attempts, and Rodgers is on pace to do that. I mean, again, we're only a quarter of the way through the year. We're going to start getting to, to, to games coming up, Evo, where there's fans in the stands. That, that's helping him a lot on these road games, these tough games in New Orleans and Minnesota and places like that. I, I'm pretty sure Tampa's going to have, you know, if if not a full house in a couple of weeks, they're gonna they're gonna have a very large gathering of, of fans down there, and, and it, it's gonna be a lot tougher for him uh, to go down there and put up big time numbers again. But you know, at the quarter pool, let, let's be honest, it, it's him, Russell, and Mahomes right now for the most part. I think Russell's a slight Russell's the favorite in Vegas. I think he's like plus one fifty. Mahomes is in there too, at like plus two fifty, and Aaron Aaron actually. Which, which means if he put down 10 bucks on him, he'd get 30 back if he wins it. Yeah. So um, I, I think he's got a great chance. The thing is, Evo, um you know, he, he was in this position, and we've talked about this on the show before, he, he was in this position last year after the Oakland game. He threw five touchdowns. They beat the Raiders 42-24. I think that was week five or six. I, I think Vegas actually had bumped him up to number one or number two at the worst. He might have been behind Lamar Jackson at that. I think if he and Russell are close on the numbers Evo, the voters are going to give it to whoever's team wound up having the better season. Right now see-
0: Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com. Check his work out there or follow him along on Twitter at Rob Reichel. All right, Robbie, so I'm glad you brought it up uh, when it comes to, you know, what the record is going to be. The Packers are on bye week coming up this Sunday. Uh, And their record, I'm sorry, their schedule moving forward, really not the toughest. I mean, you got the Buccaneers on the 18th, but then it goes into, you know, you got the Texans, the Vikings, the Niners, who are banged up, the Jags, the Colts, who look decent, the Bears. With what are they? How? What? What is the stealing for the Packers as they continue on with this schedule? Could they match that thirteen and three record from last year, or do better?
4: Amazingly, yes, Evo. And, and you're talking about a team that took some hits in free agency and pretty much forfeited the draft, um, and and drafted only for twenty. 22, 2023, right? I mean, they, they drafted long term. Just, just think if they would have got a wide receiver that could play right away, right? A T Higgins or somebody like that, or the Jefferson kid in Minnesota, who, who'd get ten catches a game out of the slot in Green Bay. Um, it, it, it's crazy, and and and, and I'll, you know, I, I'm kind of deviating here. Deviate, I'll, I'll, deviate, I'll, Rob. Deviate. I, I'll completely justify that Jordan Love pick, because if, if that's the guy you believe is going to take you into the next decade or so and, and be your guy, and, and you've got a chance there to go get him, go do it. But in the second round, I mean, if this is how they're going to use A.J. Dillon, <laughs> and now they've lost the third round tight end and stuff like that, then, you know, then that certainly didn't help you in 2020, and, and now you can start throwing some stones at Kudakul stuff. But uh, specifically to this year, Ivo, I, mean, they're, they're, I think what they're doing offensively is shocking all of us, but... But what you're seeing again, and not only is Rodgers playing well, um, I think we're learning that Green Bay found themselves one heck of a head coach 18, 20 months ago, whatever it was. They hired Matt Lafleur. Um, the the schemes, his creativeness on offense. I mean, there there are guys running wide open all over the place. They went out Monday night and played without receivers for the most part, even when they turned running backs into wideouts yeah. and uh, and and handled them. An Atlanta team that I know is struggling, but but does have some some pretty decent people uh, playing and playing down there in Atlanta. And, it, and it, it's, it's stunning, evil. They're at thirty-eight points a game, the franchise record. Is thirty-five points a game? Um, they're, they're on pace to you know break most most records offensively. Again, we're only through four weeks um but if the offense can even do 80 percent of this in the second half Evo, and the defense continues to play at an okay level again they don't, they don't need a top five or an eight defense in theory but they do need a defense that's going to be between about 10 and 15 i think to, to have a chance to win the super bowl and they're number 12 right now Evo, in total defense uh the run defense was much better the other night i think that's encouraging uh in the atlanta game um they, and secondary came along, I thought, and made big strides the other night and had their best game of the season. Uh, so, evil, you know, you're talking about a team that's 4 and all, and they've had Kenny Clark for 6% of the snaps, and they've had Devontae Adams for 39% of the snaps. Those are two of their five or six best football players. And when they get those guys back after the break, and I assume they will for the Tampa Bay game, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's really, you know, that, there's really no ceiling, evil. It, it, it's a 13-14 win football team. You're gonna get you're gonna get dinged here or there. Um, I don't think they're as good as the Chiefs, but I but I think that they're a coin toss with them in, in Seattle right now in the NFC, evil. Yeah,
0: it's pretty remarkable of where they're at with uh, the injuries and the big time players that uh, have not been playing. So, Rob, we were Nelson and I were talking about it uh, yesterday. What what is the and all of it is above. It all goes into play of why the Packers are so good. But we were trying to sig- single out one. Is it the scheme? slash Matt LaFleur's play calling? Is it Aaron Rodgers buying in? Is it the offensive line, or is it utilizing the running backs? Why are they so much just eye test, better looking this year than last year?
4: Well, I, I mean, you, you hit it right there at the start of the question. It's, it's all of those things. But honestly, both, if I had to rank them, I'd put scheme and head coach number one. I, I think they'd be forward all right now with the number of coaches because even Rodgers himself has said guys have been quote-unquote college open. Um you see that every week, especially when you put on a Big 12 football game and, and you're watching the defenseless teams inside that conference. There are players running wide open all over the field. I mean, you don't see that for the most part on Sundays in the NFL, but somehow with LaFleur's scheme and, and his creativeness, I think on, you know, when it comes to offensive play calling evil, they've had guys running wide open where there aren't a lot of pedestrian and mediocre and even good quarterbacks that would, you know, that would have taken the Packers to 4-0 right now. Now, number two, Rodgers is playing like those. I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's getting rid of the ball quickly. His, his accuracy is much better. He's more comfortable inside this offense. The people around him are more comfortable inside this offense. Um, yeah, he's playing right here like in Rodgers of MVP years of 11 and 14, and really that whole stretch from 2010 to 2014, which were his career years, Evo. Um, so I would put that at number two, and then, you know, really, it, it, you could go a 2A and a 2B. There's not a better combination of running backs in football right now than Jones and Williams. I, I've written a couple different times, Evo. It's Green Bay's best duo since um, you know since back in the day with Horning and Taylor. It's it, it's literally that good. They're, you know, if, if if either one is allowed to get, and certainly one of them is going to, but but whoever gets to the free agent market, Evo is going to make a killing. Even in a, even in a world right now where teams don't play running back. Don't pay running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones is going to get paid big time. And somebody's going to give Jamal Williams good money to come in and be their number one. Um, those two guys, Evo, do everything well. Not only run the ball, uh, they're, they're three down backs, they pass pro, they come in and block, they can catch the ball. So I would put that 2B two, two or 3, number 3, Evo. I mean, it's you know, but it all has to work hand in hand, and it is right now. But, but at, the, at the head of it all, Evo, I, I truly believe that this, this, this has become Matt LaFleur's team. It's his offense, and, and you're seeing what it
0: can do. Rob, love it, man. Uh, we appreciate your time. We'll follow along at Forbes.com and on Twitter at Rob Reichel. One last question before I let you go. I know the Packers yeah. are on bye week, but who comes out victorious over that bye week? The Green Bay Packers or COVID-19? As Brown County is a big hot spot.
4: Mm, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know. I I know. I know. I, I think the mandate goes into effect today from the governor. Doesn't it? Twenty five percent. Something recovery. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Packers have been smart. I'll give them credit. You know, they haven't had any positives over there. So, um, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they they, they keep a tight ship and, and these guys come back and they can all go to work on Monday. But I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my money on on the Packers uh, kind of winning over COVID.
0: Robbie, Robbie, you're hitting your predictions, So I hope that one comes true, brother. We appreciate your time, Robbie. All right, Cal. We'll you next to week. See you, man. There he is, Rob Reichel. At Rob Reichel on Twitter, Forbes.com. So 2018, Brewers are riding high. You know, one game away from the World Series. Friggin' Dodgers, man. 2019, you know, they lose that uh, wild card against the Nats. And then uh, what? Then you saw what happened against the Dodgers. Brewers uh, get swept. So in that process, though, as the Brewers are one game away from the World Series, what did they do last year? Cut payroll by how much? It was a solid.
1: Well, it was a solid thirty-five million. That's um significant. It is, and then I mean, it obviously it was a little different because it got cut down to about forty million due to COVID. Yes, but the original salary was cut by about thirty-five million dollars.
0: And you know, losing Mike Mustakis, losing Yasmani Grandal, those that offensive production. I mean, you you did the war. We lost out on what?
1: Almost three wins just this season. And, just and those and two guys alone. That would have equated to eight wins for a, an actual 162-game season.
0: So lost a lot there because, you know, they had to cut payroll. So now entering into this season, you think a lot of clubs, you know, you're one game away from the World Series. You'd think, I think we all thought, what, you maybe spend a little more money? Yeah, you go more. and get
1: somebody, right?
0: And... Uh, Well, they cut $35 million out then with COVID, 40 mil. So, looking at these comments from David Stearns moving forward. You know what's crazy, though? What? Is the fact that, yeah, they got rid
1: of Yusmani Grandal. He walked and actually got a real nice contract, one that probably most people said they didn't really see him getting. Yeah, and Mike Moustakis bet on himself. But good for him. And Mike, same thing. Mike Moustakis, he did two years in a row where he bet on himself and kind of came
0: up a loser. So, you knew he was going to do it again. And I don't blame anyone for going and getting money. Go get your money, no doubt. But the Brewers have to come to the realization that they need to shell out a little more money if they want to continue on to making the playoffs and, I don't know, winning a World Series. Right? But
1: the craziest thing is that after all is said and done, yes, Monty Grandal is averaging over $18 million a year for the rest of his contract, and Moustakis is over fifteen. If you put those together, that's about $33 million. They cut payroll by 35. thirty-five million. So technically, if they would have stayed at roughly the same payroll, okay. right around the hundred and twenty-five million mark, they, in theory, probably could have kept both of them.
0: And the guys that they got to replace that production was like going to Walmart and the dollar Now, bin if the, now saying to that, find a DVD. If they
1: would have kept both of them, they really wouldn't have much flexibility That's to do other true. stuff. That's true. That's true. But. In theory, they could have kept both of them.
0: So check this out. Uh, David Stearns, the Brewers GM, making some comments about, are you ready for this, budget restrictions in acquiring players coming up. Quote, on budget restrictions, quote, I think it's a possibility. I think budgets are tighter everywhere right now for most businesses, obviously, COVID-19. And Stearns continued, you know, over the last two years, we've run the two highest payrolls in the history of this organization. And I think it's uncertain at this point, as we look forward, whether our payroll next year would be at the same level. That sounds like they're going to be cutting more payroll. And listen, as a team and an organization, a franchise, that relies on people going through the ticket gates, tailgating, buying stuff at Miller Park, butts in the seats, COVID-19 did a huge blow. Now we're looking at whether they're going to be tightening their belt a little more for payroll moving forward, and you gotta think they are.
1: If the Brewers continue to try and put rosters together like this that might make it as a wild card into the playoffs.
0: Expand and the playoffs are expanded next year, aren't they?
1: Or if they they start putting these teams together that could be one of the last last spots into the playoffs where you'd imagine an early exit or are a team that could be about five hundred, I'm going to rip my hair out. Well, I because, would um, start investing in Rogaine right now. Because that is the absolute worst thing you can be in baseball. You either want to be a contender or you want to be terrible. Well, Rowdy, from what
0: I can guess, the nothing, Brewers are not going to be contenders. There's nothing so worse. So what does that leave you with?
1: There's nothing worse than being a middle-of-the-road team that you know you can't really compete for a title, but you're really not getting any better and you're really not shelling out any money, but you're not saving any money. You are in purgatory. Well, get ready for purgatory, buddy. Because you look at that farm system, too, for the Brewers. Well, that's the thing. They either need to start selling big-name players, or you need to start spending, and it looks like they're willing to do neither.
0: Well, they ain't spending. They're doing a little less of that coming up, according from what I can read to these comments. Budget restrictions on acquiring players. Quote, I think it's a possibility. I think budgets are tighter everywhere. Right now, for most businesses, over the last two years, we've run the two highest payrolls in the history of this organization. And I think it's uncertain at this point, as we look forward, whether our payroll next year would be at the same level. Get ready to tighten that belt and get into the lean years again of your Milwaukee Brewers as we enter in the the, the 20s.
1: Oh, I mean, they have so many players on this roster that are still on the cheap. How many years are you going to toil around and not spend any money? Because in, you would hope they do not bring Ryan Braun back on that mutual option for $15 million. Oof.
0: The dude's not worth $15 million. He might not even be worth five. million. Uh, all right, let me give you a comments from David Serms on that. The chance of Braun returning. Quote, I think Ryan's going to take his time here. Uh, const, a constant with Ryan is, I think, he wants to understand what the world is going to look like as we get into next year, and we're not going to know that for a while. So I don't anticipate him really thinking much about this over the next couple months. End quote. All right. So what's what else you got in your mind? Here's Ryan? my thing for
1: for David Stearns. Can you just come out and tell him you're not bringing him back for 15 million? If he wants to work out a cheap deal to to you know play his one last year in front of fans, if there's going to be fans. Then have at it. We'll do that. But you're not making fifteen million dollars. We're not picking up that option. So why if, can't he just come out and say
0: that? And if they do, let me just slow this out there. I'm going to go on a limb and say you will be pulling your hair out. Yeah. Because I mean, if you get so one fist is going to be because of Ryan Braun pulling your hair out. The other fist is going to be pulling your hair out because they're not spending any money to get better.
1: I mean, you're getting fifteen million dollars off the books if Ryan Braun is not brought back.
0: You want Rogaine on, for on, uh, Christmas on his, on his salary. You want Rogaine for Christmas.
1: I hope to be fine.
0: But Christian Yelich <laughs> still has
1: one more season before that extension kicks in. So if you're gonna spend some money, why not throw out some more one year deals like the Moustakas and the Grindals? I mean you're saving fifteen million if Braun's not brought back. Christian Yelich is only due fourteen million next year. That then kicks into twenty six million starting in twenty twenty two. You have some money freed up. Listen to all these players that you have on arbitration or under team control for super cheap. I'm listening. You have Omar Nervaez, Manny Pina, both on arbitration yeah, years. Manny so they're not, especially with their performances this last year, they're not going to make much of anything more than what they did already. You have Keston Hero, who's under team control. Sorry, Keston, but you're only going to make like $600,000 next year. So stop striking out so much. Luis Urias, same thing, team control. He's going to be extremely cheap next year. Orlando Arcia in another year of arbitration. He's not going to make a ton more than he did this year. Yeah. Lorenzo Cain is frozen at about $15 million. Can't really do anything about that. That was a contract you have to honor. Avisel Garcia, same thing. He's locked in at $10.5 million. But you have, if you go to the pitching staff, Josh Lindblom locked in for about $3 million. Brent Suter locked in for $1.5 million. Brandon Woodruff is eligible for arbitration. So yes, he's going to make... A lot more money than just 633000 but at the same time, he's not going to get the $20 million contract in arbitration year one. He might get like five. That, that's a deal for Brandon Woodruff right now. Adrian Hauser, still under team control. He'll be extremely cheap. Corbin Burns, team control, extremely cheap. Corey Canable one more year of arbitration. Josh Hader, a year of arbitration. Claudio no one really likes him, but he'll probably be around. Another cheap year <laughs> of hey, arbitration. Every baseball roster needs a submarine pitcher. Freddie Peralta, do just $1.2 million next year. Ray Black, Devin Williams, Eric Yardley, Drew Rasmussen, Justin Topa, all team control, yeah. all extremely cheap. They're not hardly spending any money. Daniel Vogelbach, back, whatever you want to call him, team control, going to be extremely call cheap. Call him the barrel, man. If you get rid of Ryan Braun, just Ryan Braun himself, that frees up $15 million. And then and you, you can go you already, get some people. You already cut salary by $35 million. I know this isn't exact, but if you already cut salary by $35 million, you get rid of Ryan Braun, that adds up to $50 million, correct? Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have some spending here and there where it's not going to be exactly $50 million, But you can sign a lot of pieces for $50 million. You should be able
0: to sign at least two to two and a half studs. When you hear that the Brewers... And they're not going to do it. When you hear no, they're not. When you hear Stern say that the past two years they spent the most ever in the organization and this is what we get, do you think they're gonna to continue to open I mean they're already cutting. There's no way there's gonna spend Well,
1: they, it's because they they're not going to now because now they have the excuse of COVID.
0: Yeah. If if COVID
1: never happened and we watched this baseball game or this baseball season and the Brewers won eighty games and they went eighty and eighty two, and the guys they brought in like smoke, like like the uh Narvaezes, like all the players we've talked about all morning, you would be embarrassed to be bringing them back because they were that bad. It was like, wow, we really got rid of two all-stars, and we, we cut we cut pay to bring in these spare parts that were terrible, only to win 80 games when we had a former MVP in Christian Yelich. We had a a rookie of the year contender in Keston Hero. And Hero. I mean, you had great performances out of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Devin Williams. I mean, you could have had a you still have Canada, Josh Hader. Yeah. You still have Corey Canable who if if he comes back healthy next year, is one of the best in the game. Yet you don't want to spend
0: money. They're not spending. They're not going to spend any money. If they spend money, I'll eat a hat. I'll eat my hat. Where's the king at? I'll use his line right there. I'll eat a. It's hat. It's
1: just frustrating when COVID's going to be the excuse used by Ananasio to basically not spend money. Yep. And they're still going to give you the BS that they were competitive, even though they let eight teams in and they were Expand. under 500. Hey,
0: we made the playoffs. Oh, but leave out the fact that they were expanded and you're below 500, yeah, making and, history.
1: And 55 percent of the teams in your league made the playoffs. You
0: basically got your participation trophy.
1: You got your little participation. trophy. you made trophy. it to the playoffs and got embarrassed by the Dodgers. You scored two runs in two games.
0: And guess what, Ronnie? It's time to tighten that belt up and uh, uh, cut a little more, cut a little more fat off. All right, we'll come right back. Nothing is worse than being mediocre. Be great, Rowdy. Be great. (laughs)